Well, once again, Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for being here tonight. I also want to say hello to all of you who are watching online and on television. If you're in the room, would you please give our online television audience a big hand? I hope you received this whenever you uh, came in. It gives you some, uh, the top three things you need to know about what's coming up in the new year. And we're very excited. We believe that that God places us in community alongside other people, that we need other people to help us not only grow in our faith, but live out our faith in so many different ways. And so just want to point out a few things there. We're starting our Worship Wednesdays, which I'm very excited about. It's a multi-generational focus on music and prayer on Wednesday nights. Jared and Jordan have been doing a great job getting all of that lined up. We're very excited about that. We have something for everyone. We're also starting in the new year uh, on January 5th, uh, a pastor's prayer meeting right here in the worship center at six o'clock where we're going to be learning about prayer, creating space to pray. We're not going to call on anybody to pray. That, so uh, if that kind of freaks you out, don't worry about that. Um, but very excited about that. Also excited about our discipleship hour on Sunday mornings. You can see our new schedule there as well. We have Sunday morning groups for all ages, all stages of life. And so uh, please make note of that uh, if you don't have a group that you're currently in. And then I'm really excited that on January 9th, we're going to do a series uh, on the Acts of the Holy Spirit. We're going to be in the book of Acts for several weeks, and we're going to talk about the power you need to live the life you want. Very excited about that. That's going to end with our Global Missions Conference on February 27th. We have mission partners, those who can, coming from around the world. They're going to be with us on that Sunday. I'm very excited about that. So please take that with you. If you'd like to take sermon notes, you can turn over to the back side of that and follow along as well. You know, at some point during the holidays, it seems like we, we, we hit this place where uh, we, we just say, you know, why do we do this? Am I the only one that's ever felt that way during Christmas? You know, it's like, this is a lot of trouble. This is a lot of busyness. This is a lot of spending. This is just a lot, right? Again, I may be the only one that feels that every now and then. Um, but what if I were to tell you? Maybe this is not just a commercialized cultural holiday. It's true. <laughs> but what, what if in the midst of all the busyness, especially when we hit those moments where we're just ready for the holidays to be over? Now, I know it's you know close to Christmas Eve. It's Christmas Eve service and... You know, we may not be there just yet, but, but what if something else was going on? What if we were drawn to Christmas and the Christmas season? Because there's something inside of us, there's a desire or a longing that's there. And what if I were to tell you that there is something inside of you that you did not put there, you did not create, you did not generate, but that God put it there. You see, the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, Solomon said this. He said, he, God, has planted eternity in every human heart. God has planted eternity in every human heart, which means we have a longing, we have a desire that is within us that God planted there. I really don't think this is just a, an over-commercialized cultural holiday. 
I believe that in this season, God is doing something and drawing us to himself once again. Because you and I live with this longing, this longing for eternity. We love words like eternity or eternal or forever or everlasting. We write whole books and movie scripts based around these things. And we long for it. But there's a clash that happens on the inside of us, though. And it's, it's, it's hard. You see, while we long for eternity, we also long to, to live life on our terms, don't we? I, I like to call it, we like to live the Starbucks life. Anybody here like Starbucks? Yeah, a few people, yes. When I go to Starbucks, you know, because I like to feel sophisticated every now and then, I order a chai latte with soy milk. No foam. And it just makes me feel so sophisticated when I order that, you know? Starbucks is fascinating to me because at Starbucks, you've probably been in one or seen one. They're not real big stores, but you know that they claim that you can get over 86,000 different drinks or combinations of drinks at a Starbucks. 86,000. And I think a lot of times that's how we like to live life. We like to walk up to the counter and we like to order specifically tailored things to our liking. In fact, we like life tailored to our feelings. However we're feeling on any given day, we like for life to then just bend around us, right? And that clashes with this longing for eternity that we have. While we have this longing for eternity, we also want life on our terms. And we really believe this. We actually do. And I can prove it to you. If you ever go to a Starbucks or any place, for that matter, where you have to order food or a drink, we, we, we say this magic phrase. When I go to Starbucks and I want to feel sophisticated and I order my chai latte with soy milk, I don't say I want a chai latte with soy milk. What do I say? I need I need a chai latte with soy milk, right? A good friend of mine worked at Starbucks for a few years, and he said people would come through and order this, and they always said, everybody just always said, I need, and he would just think, no, you don't. No, you really don't need that. If you knew what was really in it, you really wouldn't, you don't need that at all. But we've convinced ourselves that we need this. I need it, and I need life on my terms. The problem is we have this longing, we have this longing within us, and here's the thing, you cannot have eternity on your terms. It doesn't work that way. You cannot have it on your terms. And so we come to Christmas, this time of the year where God, I believe, once again is drawing us in. This longing is ignited for eternity. And Christmas is really a paradox, if you think about it. It's a paradox in three movements. The theological terms would be incarnation, salvation, and consummation. All right? And what's happening at Christmas, what we celebrate at Christmas, is we celebrate the incarnation, that we believe this God who came from heaven to earth. Right? But we also believe about salvation. We believe that the Christmas message is also about us going from earth to heaven. But the Christmas message also points to the very end where the end of the book says that one day heaven and earth will come together and God will make all things new. And all three of these things are happening at the same time. And there's this longing in us. Even uh, if you're not a Christian, we long for eternity. But if you are a Christian, we long for this place. We call it our heavenly home. 
That's how the Bible refers to it. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 14, the writer says this, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. There's the longing again. This longing for eternal home. We see it in 2 Corinthians 5, 6. It says, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we are not at home with the Lord. Over and over, we see this longing that, in our, that we all have in our life. And this longing draws us to this season called Christmas. And at Christmas, we remember not only that Jesus came, but we have to remember why. Why do we do all this? Why do we sing songs like this? Why do we show up on Thursday night like this? Why? I believe there's three reasons. The three reasons are, I'll just go ahead and give them to you, is that we needed someone. We needed someone to save us. We needed someone to tell us the truth. And we needed someone to give us grace. That's why he came. Start with that first one. We needed someone to save us. You know, Jesus said in Luke 19, verse 10, he said, for the Son of Man, that was a title he took for himself. He said, the Son of Man came. So here's why I came. Here's why Christmas happened. The Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. He says, that's why I'm here. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. This season reminds us that we need a Savior and that that Savior has now come. Jesus did not say, I came so that you could feel good about yourself. He certainly does that, but that's not why he came. Jesus did not say, I came so you could have a better life. He certainly does that, but that's not why he came. Jesus did not say, I came so you could be happy. He does that. It's a byproduct, but it's not the reason why he came. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save those who are lost. 1 Timothy 1.15 says this. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, this is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. I love this. What Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, when you're pastoring your church in Ephesus, everyone should accept what I'm about to say. I want everybody to believe it. I want everybody to hang on to this. What does he want? That Christ Jesus came, that's Christmas, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That's why he came. Now, the question is, how do we accept it? If Paul says to Timothy, I want everybody to accept it, what does it mean to accept this? Well, well the word, the Greek word there means to receive and respect. So if I'm going to accept this, it means I have to understand that, number one, I qualify as a sinner for this saving. I qualify as a sinner. Number two, I own it as a saint. I respect it. And then number three, I rejoice because of both of those things. I rejoice because God loved me enough to send his son to save me. So what does this mean? What does that do for us? What does it mean in everyday life and how we live life here on this planet until we get to that one day of eternity? Galatians 4, 5 says this, but when the right time came, talking about Christmas, at just the right time, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us. We're set free. Buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. We are set free so that we can be a part of God's family. 
The Son came so that we could become sons. And that, that phrase, sons, is a very important phrase. When the Bible calls you a son of God, whether you're male or female, it means that in the first century, it means you are a legal heir to God. You're a qualified recipient of all the benefits of the Father. And so God sent his son so that we can become children of the Father. And that's why we celebrate Christmas. In fact, this is the Christmas message. If you go to Matthew chapter one, we see it play out right there. Mary, Joseph, the angel coming. And, and, and what is the message to Joseph? She will have a son. She will have a son. And you are to name him Jesus. Jesus. It means God saves. That's what Jesus means. And then he says, for he will save his people from their sins. Right in the very beginning, the Christmas message was all about this. That yes, he is coming. But it's not just something to make you feel better about yourself. It is to save us. And we needed someone to save us. Because we could not do it on our own. And if someone is going to save us, we needed someone, number two, to tell us the truth. We needed someone who would be honest with us. There's enough lies going on in our culture. We lie to ourselves on most days, right? There's a whole lot of that taking place. And we needed someone to come and tell us the truth. And so Jesus said in John 18, verse 37, he says, actually, I was born and came into the world. That's Christmas. I was born and came into the world to testify to the truth. Literally means to tell people the truth. And he says, all who love the truth recognize that what I say is true. You see, this longing that we have for eternity, this longing that's inside of you, it cannot be satisfied without first seeing the Savior that we celebrate during this season. And my prayer is that we make sure we see that. We make sure we do not forget what this whole thing is about, that he has come to save us. In order to do that, he opened his mouth and he spoke truth into our lives. Again, we, we can go after the Starbucks life. I love Starbucks. I have nothing against Starbucks at all. Remember, chai latte, soy milk, okay? If you ever want to get me a tea. Love Starbucks. But so many times we want life on our terms. And we'll believe any lie we have to so that we can try to have life on our terms. And what we're going to find out in life is we're just going to keep changing our order. We'll just keep changing and that always leads to despair every single time. Every single time. I've seen it over and over in people's lives. A few days before Christmas, 19 years ago, I got a phone call. It was a young man named Justin. I was a younger man 19 years ago, believe it or not. Justin called me 2.30 in the morning. Justin wanted nothing to do with the faith that I talked about. He didn't want to hear it. And he even told me, I want life on my terms. I want to live life the way I want to live life, and I don't want any God trying to tell me how to live life. I said, okay. And then his life fell apart, and he hit rock bottom. And he called me at 2.30 in the morning a few days before Christmas because he'd been up all day, 
and he was ready to not live anymore. And he had a plan. And he called me and he said, here's where I am, here's what's going on. But I'd like to hear about this truth you talk about before I go any further. And I told him, you know, Jesus said, you can know the truth and the truth will set you free. And with tears on the other end of the phone, we prayed and he accepted Christ. I'm here to tell you, when you want life on your terms, when you want to live life the way you want to live life, when you don't think you need a savior, that's where you're going to end up. You're going to end up in despair every single time. And Jesus loves us enough because he wants to save us to come to us and tell us the truth. And a part of that truth is point number three, and that is we needed someone to give us grace. This is a very important part of the truth, that we need the grace of God in our life. Grace is God giving you something you do not deserve. And that is exactly what he has done in the Christmas season that we celebrate. He has given us his son that we do not deserve at all. In fact, Acts 15, 11 says, we believe that we are all, every one of us, all of us, we are all saved the same way. How is that? By the undeserved grace of our Lord Jesus. That's exactly how. We are saved by grace. And that is what the Christmas season is all about. We must not forget, we needed someone to save us. We needed someone to tell us the truth. And we needed someone to show us grace. We see it in Romans 3.24, yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. Over and over we see this. Salvation is free, it comes through grace, and it sets us free. And it satisfies the longing of eternity that every one of us live with every single day. Every single day. You know, throughout Advent, we've been talking about the theme, do not fear. It's been the theme throughout these weeks leading up to this moment. One of the greatest fears that I hear from people over and over, and I hear it in different ways, is the fear that God will somehow or in some way not accept me. God would not accept me. I'm here to tell you that he will, and in fact, he has. He has. The question is, have we received him? Every one of us, we need someone to save us. And for that to happen, we need someone to tell us the truth and someone to give us grace. And that's what's offered to each and every one of us tonight once again because I love you and because I believe every word that I'm saying right now my question to you that I want to end with has to do with the candle you're holding in your hand you have your candle it's not lit yet we'll get there that'll be fun my question is this do you believe in the one that that candle represents. Go ahead, look at your candle. 
We light that candle not because we think it looks really cool when the lights go out. It does, but that's not the reason. We light that candle because of Isaiah chapter 9. You see it here on the screen. It says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the deep darkness, a light has dawned, for to us a child is born. To us a son is given. Over and over throughout scripture, this image of light is used to describe who Jesus is. And we light the candles tonight to remind us that he has come to save us. And in doing so, he has spoken truth and he has given us grace. And so my question, as you light the candle, do you really believe in the one that candle represents? Do you really believe? My prayer is that if you don't, you will. If you don't, you will. And if you believe tonight for the first time, I want to talk to you right after the service. So as we light these, whether we've been coming to this service for years and decades or for the very first time, as we light the candle, let it be a statement of our faith that I really believe in the one that this candle represents. Amen? Father, we thank you. We thank you because in this moment, we're holding a wax candle in our hand. And yet that candle represents everything to us. It represents our salvation that we could not earn on our own. It represents the truth that you speak into our lives that sets us free. It represents your grace. So as we continue to sing, as we light candles, as we pray, may we do so putting our faith and trust in you. Pray this in Jesus' good and powerful name. Amen.